You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Glad you're here. I know we got some family and friends. My name's Stan. I get to be on staff, one of the pastors here with Anthem Church. And so this is our first year kind of a ministry. This is our first semester. We're a few months into this thing. Um, I know that because we had our fourth daughter two days after the church started. So I kind of got an idea of when this all began. Um, And so we are kind of just getting things rolling. And it's been fun to see what God's doing. Um, I think this fall, we've already seen eight people get baptized as a part of Anthem Church. We're seeing students get connected. Uh, College ministry is a large part of what we do. And so it's been a lot of fun. But you guys are here for Christmas. And I don't know, I was joking with Bus and kind of growing up, I don't know what you guys did for Christmas, but I grew up in a very traditional church. We'll just say it like that. We had the, the Christmas production, and I use that word loosely because what we did wasn't really a production. Uh, it was in the basement of, of this church, and I remember like going through like what role you're going to play. Usually I was somewhere between like a shepherd or a wise man. And when I say that, like I would get my dad's old like bathrobe, you know, like the one from the seventies that had this weird color and the racing stripes on the sleeve. And like, they would get you like a Burger King, like Burger King kind of crown. And that was the wise man. Um, if you were like the big grown kid, you were in the back, like holding up the star. <laughs> and uh, that was our Christmas production. It was pretty fun. Way to go, Clutier, Iowa. Um, but that's, that's what we did. And the, really, guys, the, while our production maybe wasn't up to snuff, the, the story surrounding Christmas is rather incredible. And you guys are likely really familiar with it. And so we're going to look at something that kind of predates the story. It's from the prophet Isaiah. This would have been written 700 years before Jesus was even born. And so we're going to put the, the passages up on the screen tonight, just a few short verses. And so I'm going to be reading out of Isaiah chapter 9. He says in verse 2, again, this is prophecy. He's writing this down, not knowing of to whom he's writing. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. He goes on in verse 6 to say, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are the verses we're going to kind of break down tonight. And again, this is written 700 years. It's prophesying Jesus would be coming. He's also going to prophesy in the book of uh, Isaiah how Jesus would be crucified. And again, he's foretelling something that crucifixion was not even invented at that time. And so this is prophetic words. And so what's he saying in verse 1, or sorry, verse 2? He says, to the people who walked in darkness, they've seen a great, great light. And so he talks about this darkness. Now, what is darkness? I don't know how your lights in your house work, right? You've got a light switch. Does anybody have a darkness switch? No, right? You're right. Simply put, darkness is the absence of light. In the same regards that, that cold is the absence of heat, right? So you don't have a darkness switch. What you have, how you obtain darkness is when you take the light away. And so God is going to reference himself throughout scripture that, that he is light, the light being shown. And here we're going to see this reference to light. And the absence of God is darkness. 
And he's saying how these people walked in darkness. He describes the land of, of deep darkness. Some of you guys are like, this seems pretty relevant to today, right? Where there's just darkness just kind of all around us, be it, uh, and again, using it loosely, it's the absence of God. You take God out of the schools, you take God out of government, you take God out of the home, and you have darkness. And that's what darkness is really describing. It's capturing the absence of light. Now, have you ever tried to move about in darkness? See, every uh, morning, it seems like I have an early morning meeting, and we've got our garage, how it sits on our house. It's like one of those that's like underneath the house, um, and so there's no light getting into that uh, garage. And typically, like how our light switch works and, and my side, my wife, I, you know, I'm so godly. I was like, here, you have the side with the automatic door opener. I'll do the one where you got to like roll it up and roll it down. You know what I'm talking, right? And then the kids, like because it's tucked under the living area, our little baby, you know, Janessa, she's right above it. So you're trying to be quiet. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like, it's complicated, right? This is my life. It's slightly complicated. I put in a request for a garage door opener for Christmas. We'll see what happens because I would solve a lot of things, but how it is right now, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to turn on the lights. I'm just going to, I'm going to flip on the lights, see my path through my garage. And, and again, it's not like my vehicle's parked in the garage because who does that anymore? Garage is where it collects all the junk, the mower and the, the shovels, everything. So like you, you turn the lights on, you, you see a path and then you flick them off. And I'm telling you, it is black in my garage. And without fail, uh, you know, I know my phone has a, a light on it, but that would be too easy. It's better to just kind of run through the dark and see what happens. And have you done that where you've gotten up in the, in the middle of the night or you've tried to walk through darkness and you inevitably just crush a shin, things are falling over? It does not go well when you try and move about in darkness. He's referencing, he's saying, as a group of people at this time, and I think it's relevant to us, the absence of God creates this darkness and to move about in it does not go well. And I think the darkness in one regards is, yeah, it's around us. It's in our culture. It's in where we live. But the other thing about it is, is it's also within us. Now, here's the thing. Absence of God in us, not necessarily just around us, but things within us that make us blind. And you would think, man, you would, if I was blind, like if the lights weren't off, but for a blind person, you understand the lights are all, just always off. And that's another way that you can walk about in darkness is if you're just blind and you're like, you would think I would know if I was blind. Here's the thing. Blindness is not always easy to identify. Work with me here. I bet you didn't know this, that I was born blind. Colorblind, but, but blind nonetheless, right? So born colorblind, red, green, colorblind. Um, and here's the reality. I did not know that. My parents did not know that for a long time. You would have thought there would have been some indicators. Like as a young boy, my favorite pair of boots were pink. I thought they were more blue, but, but I'm told they were, they were pink. Uh, my clothes never matched. Even today, I take it, you know, I take like the simple route. I'm like, I'll just do jeans. Most everything goes with jeans and, uh, and it will just go that route. Here's the extent of my colorblindness. At one point, out hunting, had shot a deer and failed to track like the blood trail of this deer through the snow. <laughs> like, 
Like, that's the extent of like my inability to see color, especially red. I was like, wow, this deer just kicked up a bunch of dirt. And the only reason we found that deer, if you want to know how that story ends, is I lost my phone, like looking to see if I hit it. And my cousin walks up, he's like, there's blood everywhere. I'm like, I must have hit it, you know, surprised even me. Okay, but the colorblind, those should have been indicators, but they weren't. And, uh, and finally, at some point, uh, I think messing some stuff up in, in like a computer program, and somebody suggested like, you should get that boy tested. He might be colorblind. And to go to the, in rural Iowa, go into the, the doctor's office and they, they use those little circles. I don't know if you've seen those. They have little dots in them. Hey, you've seen them, I haven't. Uh, but I went through them and they, they, they put it up and you say the numbers and the first one's like black and white. It's like, okay, we got this one. I'm not like literally blind. But, but then they start going into the colors. And I remember my mother, God bless her, getting so angry with me for not being able to see the numbers. She said, oh, Stanley, you know what that is. And at one point, the doctor's like, lady, back off. He's colorblind. And, and the reality, I say all that to say, sometimes you can be blind and not even aware. And here's kind of an all-encompassing test to see if you're spiritually blind and in the dark. How would you answer this question? Where will you go when you die? I want you to think about that. This is a genuine question. This is like the, the colorblind test. This is a spiritual blindness. Can you see? Are you in the light? How would you answer this question? Where will you go when you die? Right, think about your answer, okay? If you were to write that out, if I were to call, it's a small crowd, right? Let's just Q&A. If I just called on you, how would you answer that? We were talking about this in the teacher's meeting. And if your answer to that very simple eternal question, where will you go when you die? If, that, if your answer starts out with something like, man, I hope, I'd like to think. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure those are phrases and indicators of someone that is clearly not in the light. Those are phrases that someone like me that gets out in the garage is like, I don't, I think, I hope that mower's not sticking out there. Right? Those are, those are beginning phrases uh, uh, that should be an indicator that perhaps things are less than clear. I hope is a response of someone who, who really can't see. You're, you're kind of groping, and I'm saying there's, there's a better way. God doesn't want us in that regard hoping and, and stumbling, but, but he would want us to clearly have an answer to where, I mean, do you understand what's at risk when you're talking about eternity? And if the response starts with, I hope, I'd like to think, but that's not busting your shins on a mower. There's a lot at stake. I'm saying God doesn't want to leave his children hoping or stumbling through the dark. And so what does the prophet say? What's the, what's the response to this? Those that are in darkness, the darkness out there, the darkness inside here, What's the response? He said, a light is being shown in the form of what? Verse six, a child. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's response to the darkness is to send his son, Jesus. He is the light. 
That's, the prophet is prophesying this, and this is what has happened. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Because God came to us. And you think about how he came to that dark world, to people that walked in darkness, and in the humblest of ways. He came as a baby. I mean, John, Mark, Chris, you guys just had a baby. You have a baby, right? Like, Pearl, like the, a baby. Can you begin to wrap your mind around that, that God's entry, and I say humbly, man, if I were the Lord coming from heaven, my entrance probably would have looked a little bit different. But God chose to come in such a humble way. And he even think about where was Jesus born? There's not a ton of specifics, but we know it wasn't in the inn where people would have been. We know that it was with animals, whether that was a other part of the house, whether that was a cave outside, whether it was just some stable. We know that, that he's there amongst where animals should have been because Jesus' first crib is a manger, is a feeding trough. You think about how God humbly came to us. And, and then later on when the wise men come, sometime early on in, in the life of Jesus, they're thinking, well, if this is the king, if this is the one, let's swing by the palace. This is where a king would be, wouldn't it be? No. <laughs> no, they're, they're not in Herod's palace. They're, they're, here's Jesus, born in such a humble way. And so that is how God has come to us. And that theme of humility is going to continue. Here's Jesus who has all power. But yet he says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You would have thought, I continually get my mind blown though. We should have known this. I should have known this when you look at the story of Christmas and Jesus is coming, that that theme would continue throughout Jesus' life where he just takes it and just flips it on his head. And, and, and again, his whole life is spent serving and loving and, and even in his death, perfectly righteous, yet wrongly accused and crucified next to a couple of criminals. Jesus, God, came into the darkness humbly, so kind of the response is then, well, how must we come to him? Humbly. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Part of getting out that darkness is, in, is inviting God in. Romans 6, 23, the, the second half of it says, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That we would come to him and receive that gift. And how do we receive that gift? Humbly. It's not by works that any person can boast, for it's by grace that you've been saved, through faith. It's not of yourself. And so we must come to God humbly. What that means is acknowledge the darkness, acknowledge the blindness, acknowledge the pride. Because if it's up to us to try and find our way to the Lord, in and of ourselves, we are going to fall short of the glory of God. And so we must repent we must acknowledge our darkness that's inside of us and invite God in. And the prophet nails this without even knowing who Jesus would be. He says that the response to get rid of that darkness is that this light must be sent. It must be shown. It must be received. And for those who have Jesus in your life, Praise God that you no longer have to hope. You can have confidence in what Jesus has done 
on the cross the finished work of God. And so to invite him in. And if for you, if you answer that phrase with an I hope or I'd like to think, you can rest assured that if you invite the Lord in, if you accept the forgiveness that he brings, you can have hope. You can have eternal life and you can have confidence in that because the blood of Jesus is enough. It is a finished work. And so I would invite you, if you have not done that, to do that and receive the greatest gift you can this Christmas season, eternal life through Jesus.